Welcome to the Behind the Bliss podcast, where Mary Scott Mercer and Rachel Autry bring weekly conversations to encourage, inspire, storytell, and share. Each episode is designed for you to feel met in your mess and balanced in your bliss. Here's today's conversation. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Bliss. I'm your host, Rachel, and I'm gonna take a minute to be honest with you. We had a different episode lined up for this week, but after what we saw happen in Dayton, El Paso, I felt moved by the Spirit to bring a message that was going to equip us, to armor us up for a battle that's bigger than ourselves, to kind of give us a bigger picture, maybe a different perspective than the one that we're used to listening to. We have a message of hope. We have hope that the story does not end here, that this is not our home. We have important information that love conquers all. I think now more than ever, the world needs to know that there's a savior. So we took the episodes a little bit out of order for this week to be able to introduce to you a conversation that I think is pretty timely. Today, I'm sitting down with a new friend. Her name's Bria Randall. She's a recent graduate. She's now living in DC. In this conversation, Bria touches on social justice topics that we all need to know. She speaks to those that are brokenhearted about where our world and nation is today, and she calls out the hope that's present in the midst of it all. Being a recent graduate from Auburn, she was also her sorority's president, and she's now settling in DC. Bria has tons to share about recruitment, post-grad transition, making friends and community, all the things. So not only is today's episode timely to the events that just occurred, but it's also fun, uplifting, and gives you the hope that I think we all need right now. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Bria. Hey, Bria. Hi, Rachel. It is so fun to have you on the show. I feel like we have so many mutual friends, so to actually be talking slash meeting for the first time on podcast interview is super you know, millennialist of us. Oh my gosh. I know. No, it's so (laughs) exciting. And I'm kind of fangirling because it's been so fun to watch you guys grow um, and listen to all the podcasts that you've done. And they're all so relatable. So I feel so honored. You are sweet. Well, I'm excited for all the things that you have to share on the show, which could be a lot because you are quite the involved <laughs> You've got a lot of really I'm fun trying things to calm going down. on. No, hey, there's no need. Multi-passionate right. is not bad. That's what I'm learning <laughs> these days too. Like, there's nothing wrong with wanting all the things. Exactly. But if anyone didn't know who Bria was, what would you say? How do you introduce yourself? Give us your little spiel. Um, okay, so the first thing that people always know about me. Well, first we have to work on the. How you say my name, which is just Bria, which is four letters, so it's really simple. (laughs) Um, And then pretty quickly after, you find out that I'm really close with my parents, that I went to Auburn University because I love that school so much. Um, And I think hopefully one of the things that comes off is my love for the Lord, um, my love for other people. Um, I've got a really loud laugh. So that's something that really kind of comes and will probably come throughout this conversation. (laughs) Um, and yeah, and so those are the things that really sort of, I would hope stand out about me and I think kind of get said really quickly. Yeah. And then now you are in DC. So you graduated from Auburn, you're in DC. What's up in DC? So DC is amazing. I've been wanting to live (laughs) here, um, for, it's been like a few years. I interned here right after my freshman year of college and fell in love. And I was like, that is where, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to end up in DC. Um, which my parents were like, okay, like we'll see. And so ever since then, I've been working really hard to be here and, you know, going through ins and outs of what I wanted to do. I kind of dabbled with law school for a bit. um, And that was sort of the plan. But then the Lord put forth this job that had everything that I wanted and will also allow me to go to law school. 
um, or, you know, pursue whatever kind of masters I want. And I feel really appreciated there and I love it. And it came literally out of thin air and it, I just knew it was where I needed to be. And it was in the place I wanted to be the kind of people or the exact kind of people I want to surround myself with professionally, um, and personally, which is a really big blessing. And so I packed my bags, I think three weeks after I'd been home and moved to DC and I like tearfully left my mom and then my dad came up and helped me move in. And it's been, um, it's been a really a dream ever since it's everything I expected. And then a lot of things I didn't expect. Um, but yeah, it's just really bizarre. I don't know. I've only been here for a little bit over a month, but, um, it just feels like life is happening really quickly, but in the place that I want to be, which is really nice. I love that. Yeah. See, that's the really weird thing about adulthood is you kind of just have to like get thrown into it. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. that scene in Finding Nemo where Nemo and Crush, they have to like, or Marlon, excuse me, Marlon and Crush just have to like go into the, what is it called? Like the EAC or something. Literally, yeah, that is how really quickly, and they're just kind of jumping in. That's that is post grad life. <laughs> that is post grad life. Like, and, you're, that is and your parents are gone; you can't see them. They're like wrapped up in another current or something. <laughs> yeah, you just gotta go for it. Like, there's no such thing as like yeah. transitioning. People are like, oh, oh my transition, gosh. and I'm like, uh, there's no, no such thing. That is the no. perfect description <laughs> of what life is like right now for me. I know. Okay, good, good, because me yeah. too, and I'm sure there's other listeners that are like, oh, 100%, that's me too. Oh so my gosh, we if are that's all in you, it together. We are in it together, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so here's something that I think that you do really gracefully and really well, and I feel like this is a really cool thing that the Lord may be calling you to in DC, and you just don't even know it yet, so I'm just going to speak it into existence, but I think that you speak about social justice issues so beautifully, and poetically and like delicately but also bravely and that's really hard balance oh, I think thank you so much thank you and if we're honest I think that there's a lot of social justice topics that we can tackle right there's yeah. I mean oh my gosh, gosh it's so my favorite much. topic <laughs> we start yeah we start Obviously. making a list and like you either get pumped up or you get really upset yeah with where yeah. we are mm-hmm. um but I think that the hope that you invest in this conversations is really awesome. And that's something that I think would be so cool just to chat about briefly today. Um, Out of all the ones that there are that you could talk about, which are the ones that you feel like you're most fired up about right now? So I think something that it's not even just right now, just my most constant social justice, you know, I don't even know if the right word is issue or topic is definitely just just women. So Mm -hmm. women in the workplace is what I've been focusing on recently because that's what I've been living through. Um, And just women in general, making sure that, you know, I was speaking with somebody the other day that I work with and she said something that I just couldn't shake. She was like, I just want to make sure that the women here never feel like girls. And that was the best thing that I could have ever heard because I was like, first off, thank God that that's something that people here are worried about. But also that's something I'm really passionate. She put my passion into words, um, making Mm -hmm. sure that women never feel like girls. And that's something that I try to work through a lot. Um, And so that's something that's really important to me. And just really just issues that sort of surround that. I think race is also something that, you know, has been really something I've noticed more recently in the sense of the past few years. Um, So that's what I wrote a lot about during when I was in college. Um, So maybe some of those writings that you're talking about is just sort of race and sororities, race in the South, race and things like that. And sort of, you know, giving that light because I was just, I got dinner the other day with a friend that was born and raised in the Northeast and he really knew nothing about, and he's African-American and he was like, what is the South even like? Um, 
and had no idea. And it's funny because I'm very defensive of the South also because I moved around a lot throughout my life um, due to my father's career. But typically Southeast is where I we resided. And I'm very yeah. protective of it because I, I love it. And that's something that right. I can say proudly. When you people know? start hating on it, you're like, right. oh, absolutely not. It's exactly. <laughs> and that's something that I've had to face a lot that I wasn't expecting in D.C. is, you know, people here, Alabama, that I'm from Alabama because that's what I claim because um, that's where my parents are. That's where my loved ones are. And that's my home. And the reactions are really kind of, they're either complete shock because they don't think that people come from Alabama <laughs> um, or just just really honest intrigue. And they're really interested to hear like, what is that like to be an African-American woman in the South? And I love being really honest with people because I've, you know, got really high highs about it. And then also some lows that are just, you know, just kind of how it is. And so, but, you know, to sum it all up, so we're not here for hours, definitely I think race um, and women are the two topics that I'm really passionate about. Um, and that's just what I pick up on when I'm learning. And there's all these subgroups, you know, that kind of come with that. There's race and women. There's, um, you know, education. There's still, you know, all these things. But right. those are probably the main topics that, you know, I just get so fired up when I'm writing about. And so that's what usually kind of takes precedent. Right. And that's something too, I think, that I think is most recent for a lot of us, Mm -hmm. even if you just turn on the news Mm -hmm. or you are involved in organizations, I think race and women together and separate individually, those topics Mm -hmm. are Mm -hmm. some that need to be covered. But a lot of times the ways that they're, um, I don't know, the ways that they are incorporating conversation is more so like what is wrong with it rather than like the hope Mm -hmm. and like the, this is what we're doing well. And exactly. this is what we can take from it. And this is what we can learn from it. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. let's let's talk about the topics or the different parts and areas of it that I think that we could improve on. I do know this about you just from some of your friends talking the most amazing things about you, but you were the first African-American Panhellenic president at Auburn University. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Whenever you went to Auburn, were you planning on rushing? Or like, was that something that you went into Auburn thinking like, oh, I'm going to be this and I'm I want this position one day? Or was it something that you just felt like the Lord kind of, increasingly led you to. Yeah. Um, I would definitely say the later, um, (laughs) it was really funny because once again, I, you know, I moved to Alabama when I was in high school. So it wasn't sororities and recruitment were not something that were on my mind when I was in high school. So it wasn't something I had ever. And then I went to a very small, um, private high school. So it just really, it wasn't one of those things that everybody was talking about all the time. Mm-hmm. So it actually just was not on my mind at all, which sounds really bizarre. And so as school was getting closer, I hadn't signed up for recruitment mainly because I just wasn't thinking about it. Um, I had a really awesome summer. I got to go visit one of my you know, military friends um, who was, her family was stationed in Hawaii. So I was there and her, and so my friend's older sister was um, in a sorority at Villanova and her mom was saying all the things that it did for her. And she was saying it you know, gave her these friendships, it gave her community. Um, she was obsessed with it. She, it made her whole college experience so much smoother. And I was like, mm, I want that. Of course. So I yeah. signed up for Auburn's recruitment, not thinking anything, not thinking, oh, this is a predominantly white area, not thinking anything. I was just like, I want community. I want friendship. And I love having really good friends. Um, so I signed up and it happened to be the last day you could sign up for recruitment at Auburn. <laughs> and I had no idea. I just kind of had to pay Close a bigger call. fee. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yikes. But um, and my, you know, but my parents were very hesitant um, to let me. 
And I was confused by that because they're always very, they're the most supportive people in my life. I could tell them like, you know, I think I'm going to jump off this cliff and something good will come of it. And they'll be like, sure, we'll, so we'll jump off right after you, you know, um, they really are the best. So this was the first time I kind of felt some pullback from them. Um, and I was confused by that. And looking back now, I completely understand why I think they recognized that I was going to a predominantly, and I'd always gone to a predominantly white schools, but a predominantly white college and and sort of inserting myself in a place where not a lot of people Mm -hmm. would look like me. Um, But my, I sort of, that's when I still had these really, really thick rose colored glasses on and everything was just great. Um, And I'd never really faced too much adversity in, you know, in the sense of what I understand that to be now. And so, but they still let me do it, um, which I'm so thankful to them for, because if they would have said no, it just simply wouldn't have happened. Um, Because while they pushed me to do everything I want to do, what, you know, their word is law, you know, and what they say I do. So if they would have said no, I just wouldn't have done it. So I'm thankful, you know, first to them for allowing me to. And so, yeah, I went through recruitment and, you know, I wasn't blind. I did recognize sort of that I was kind of the only person in the room that looked the way I did a lot of the times, so not all of the time. Um, but I was, was that having- something that you feel like intimidated you or was that something that you just kind of recognized mm-hmm. as fact and you just moved forward? Yeah, I think I just recognized it as fact and moved forward because that had been the majority of my life. Um, so I was just like, yeah. yep. I recognize this, but you know, I'm happy. I'm having the time of my life. I loved recruitment. <laughs> I loved right. the talk. So it was like, you know, right up my alley. Um, and I ended up in Cayo, which was my dream. That's It was from day one. I was like, I, that's the only sorority I really am interested in. That's the only one I want to be in. Um, and then I ended up, you know, getting it. And so that was really, really exciting. And then it went from a really high, high to, you know, just your freshman year of college and realizing the world doesn't revolve around you, realizing um, that people stick with who they're comfortable with. So I kind of had to navigate that alone for a bit, not long at all, because, you know, a lot of the people that I ended up meeting freshman year are still my best friends to this day. Um, but I recognized at that point that with a sorority, you can either be all in or not in at all. Um, and, and I had to make that decision because some people were going for the not in at all side. Other people were like, I'm going to be president one day, blah, blah, blah. And so I kind of found myself somewhere in the middle but luckily I had really awesome mentors throughout my time. And I, I realized that it was something I wanted to be all in, not because of Kayo or anything like that, but because I could see what older women were doing for me was changing my path of life. Um, those are the women that brought me to us to be, to becoming stronger in my faith. Those are the women that were there when I got baptized um, last semester. Those were the women that, you know, did all these things for me. And so right. I was seeing that from a young age. And so I was like, that's what I want. Like, I don't really care about the titles. I don't care about anything like that. But, you know, I want to have a hand um, in this in the future. So that is kind of what drove me, I guess. And then all of a sudden I was president. And I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> You're like, I'll talk, but now it's game. You know, like. Right, right. Um, in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that was really bizarre. Um, and then I, I assumed that I was probably – the first um, African-American president of a panel sorority at Auburn, but I didn't know. And I have to give so much credit to a younger woman at Auburn. Her name is Samantha, and she did the research and figured it out. And she worked for the Plainsman, our school newspaper. And she came to me and she said, hey, you are this, and I want to highlight it. And I would have never sought that out myself. Um, not because, like, you know, not for any reason, aside from the fact that that was just not on my mind. I was trying to lead this group of, like, 280 women. Um, So I really wasn't, I didn't have time to really think about my glory. I was just trying to make sure that all of them felt empowered 
um, and that I was leading them towards the right things and, you know, loving them through Christ and doing all these things that just took up my whole mind space. So I'm very thankful to her for, cause I didn't really think I needed to be empowered or built up anymore. I was like, I'm good. I'm built up. I'm mentored. And now it's time for me to give all this back. Um, and it's funny wow. how somebody younger than me actually stepped forward and was like, you know, I want to shine light on you just for a minute. Um, and so I'm really thankful to her for doing that because it gave, that's what gave me the strength in times when I was really tired or just when things were really hard, I was like, you know what, I need to use this platform for good. Um, and I'm Mm -hmm. not going to, I'm not going to show weakness and failure when, you know, I'm the first to do this. Um, so yeah, it was really cool. And I'm very, very thankful for her highlighting that it was so sweet. That is so sweet and super thoughtful. Um, I was reading something the other day too and saw that you said, um, that I think we really need to just make this into something a forever thing, like at least a keychain or like yeah. a canvas or something. But you said perfection used to be my main goal, but now it's more so bravery, which is to do anything and fail at anything. Yeah. Holy moly. <laughs> but yeah. What's funny is that that's literally how I live every day and I fail a lot is the thing. I wasn't saying that trying to like get that etched on stone. I was just sure. saying that because that's really <laughs> That really is what my life is like, basically. And perfection wasn't working and perfection wasn't coming. Um, I was not reaching that. So I was like, you know what? Instead, I'm just going to do what I feel called to do. And I'm going to just have to accept failure more often. And then once you start accepting failure more often, you're realizing you're succeeding and failing less. It's like it's a really interesting kind of turnaround. Um, But yeah, but no, I fail a lot. So that. Hey, (laughs) we all do. That's fine. We say around here, we're like, we're met in our mess. Mm -hmm. Like, it's okay. Yes, Just and I love that. Be messy. Know that there is always a way out of the mess, and right. that is Jesus Christ and what exactly. He's done for us. Exactly. But like, while you're here, you are not alone, and it's okay. <laughs> and there's, don't even try perfection. Like, don't yeah. even. No. Um. What do you feel like was that switch that happened to desire bravery over perfection? Like, was there a certain mm-hmm. moment that you thought, yeah, this just isn't working anymore. I think yeah. it's just time to be brave. Sure. So I would say I um, – was and I ran a campaign for Miss Auburn my junior year, um, or I I didn't run it. My campaign manager ran it, but I was the um, the person running, um, right. and that is, so that was oh gosh okay so that was spring of my junior year, and right before as everything was leading up to it, you know I had also just gotten president of Cayo and. Uh, everybody was really worried. Everyone was like, you know, you're balancing a lot right now. You're trying to do a lot. And that was frustrating to me because I was like, and you know, all of these people were the people that love me most. Um, and looking back, I was like, no, you're just being a brat. But, um, you know, I, in my head, I was like, I, the Lord wouldn't put all of these opportunities to show grace and to, com- and be in community with people. My favorite thing, if I couldn't handle it, um, yeah. you know, so why is everyone putting this doubt in my head? And I was, and that was a very, and you know, that's me being, you know, a little bit blunt. Um, but that is just how I felt at the end of the day. I was like, the Lord's not going to, he won't let me fall like truly, you know what I mean? Like I might fall daily, but he won't let me completely fall flat on my face because he's there. Um, and I was just trusting him and I was saying, I'm not, this can't go wrong. Exactly. And I was like, I'm not doing all of this for my own glory. I'm doing this because I'm given the opportunity to have people actually listen to the things that I'm saying. And I'm hoping that it through that, you know, it's, it, it always means a lot when somebody will message me on Instagram or on Facebook or whatever and say, hi, like I actually rushed because of you saying X, Y, and Z or, you know, asking me questions like how do I get more into the community at my school? How do I do this? 
Um, and that's only because others amplified my voice. Um, and so I was like, this is an opportunity for me to reach people I don't even that don't even know I exist and don't really need to know anything about me, but I would hope that my words stick. Um, and that was just when I realized that, you know, I, I can't do this per, for perfection. I can't do this to win. I can't do this for any of that. And I didn't, you know what I mean? Like, that epic. Yeah. And, but that was okay because that's not why I did it. Um, but I was like, this is a time where I just have to be brave and I just have to be like, yes, I will likely fail. Like there's a lot of things that could go wrong, but if I, I would hate so much more to look back and think, gosh, like what if I would have reached one girl that goes to school in Kentucky and, you know, needed to hear one thing, um, to, to launch forward her life and to change her life. So, um, yeah, so I did it and I am, you know, proud of that portion of my life and proud that I didn't, um, shy away from failure because if I would have, my life would be completely different and not where it is currently literally right now sitting in my apartment in DC. Exactly. So, um, yeah. So here's the thing too, is I'm learning as I'm growing older is that not everyone thinks the same way as you and I do, because I would say I'm very much on the same page as you. I'm like, why not? Mm -hmm. Like, let's try it. It's an opportunity. It wouldn't be an opportunity if I didn't have an option. So let's just go for it. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. for the people that may not think like that, like we do, um, but maybe should in some in a lot of different ways that maybe the Lord's opening up opportunities for them and they're questioning it or maybe they don't have the courage or the bravery to just go for it. What would you say to those people? Like if they are listening to you and thinking, how in Mm -hmm. the world would she just go for it? That's crazy. Like what would you tell them that maybe they could glean and and grasp onto to maybe do the things that are hard in their life they want to do? Right. I would say um, take small steps and, and, pay attention to the people that you're listening to. So there are so many people that in my life that care about me and love me so much that were the, really the main drive to where I didn't do everything I've done by myself. Um, not, not, not a single thing. Um, there was always somebody sitting with me on my bathroom floor telling me you can do this. There was always someone sending an encouraging text Um, but I had to sort of filter listening to those people and then listening to those that might doubt, um, not from any, you know, bad thing or bad, um, intentions on their end, but I had to recognize, you know, I need to listen to the people that love me and want the best for me. Um, and I don't need to listen to the masses. And so that could be two people out of your, you know, 20 person friend group, but you just need to make sure that you're listening to the right people. Um, and trusting yourself and you don't need to, you know, be the president of the company that you just started your entry level job at tomorrow. Like that's not how it's going to work. Right. But, you know, if that means, you know, and if that, if that means reaching out to somebody that you really think you could learn from to grab lunch, do that. Um, if that means, you know, somebody asks you to spend time with them and you would typically say no, because you don't know them that well, or you're tired, um, you know, do it anyway. Um, because, I've realized from most interactions I've had with people, I've picked up something that has, you know, sort of changed the next thing in my life. Um, even the interactions that weren't very enjoyable. Um, and I think it's, it's so, so much more comfortable to shy away from things like that. And so normal, like, you know, like we're not the norm, like this is not, like, it's not like anyone is really missing out on anything that they should be doing. But I think just like taking those risks, however small or big they might be, um, and recognizing that, you know, the once the Lord won't let you fall. He won't let you fall the way, you know what I mean? And you might have your many failures here and there, but you've got people surrounding you that love you, 
it's okay to speak out loud and say, wow, I really didn't like the way that went, or this day was really bad, or that decision was not what I wanted it to be. But just going, uh, <laughs> I always make a joke with my friend, this is just something that's always in my vocabulary, but just going full send. Um, and just, Ooh, yes. like, just <laughs> and usually I say that wow. like in, in like a funny context or when I'm like on right. one of those scooters on the sidewalk, but, um, False really, yeah, literally, <laughs> but really just sort of living your life like that with respect to who you are, you know what I mean? So don't, That's good. Yeah. don't go full. Don't take that as an excuse exactly. to do the things that you, you, you know do. are disobedient. Yeah. Exactly. yeah, exactly. So go full send, but with that, make sure that you're, loving people in the way the Lord would, treating people in the way the Lord would, and focusing your life on Him. And it's funny how like all those things that you shouldn't be doing just sort of fade away because you're too busy looking in the right direction, no matter how many failures are kind of, you know, lined up in that. Yeah. And we're planting seeds, right? So like rarely ever do you plant a seed outside, like I'm growing an herb garden, very proud of myself right oh, now because on. they're yes. actually sprouting, <laughs> but it took like three and a half weeks to even see yeah. the first sprout of my cilantro. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like <laughs> I didn't just plant the seed right. and then blink mm-hmm. and then sh- something showed up. Mm-hmm. So like we have mm-hmm. to be and act with the same type of patience in our own life and know that like, Hey, I'm planting a seed and I, I mean, I have to have trust that the soil is going to work and that right. water will fall, but like we are only called to plant seeds and to tend to the garden and pray over the garden and then keep checking back at the garden. But it doesn't mean that yeah. like we fail if we don't see mm-hmm. our cilantro sprout tomorrow. Right. You know, like the crop is still good. You just exactly. don't really know at what point it's going to decide to peak out from the soil, which I think is, is what you're saying. Like take small steps, plant those seeds. Like mm-hmm. you have no idea what it, it may be even turning into. Right. Because a lot of times we don't even know what type of seeds are in the packets that we're deciding to pick up either. Exactly. So – that's good. That's so good. And I think that that kind of full circles around to this whole like bigger picture mm-hmm. social justice, like women and race issue too, is it's like, we just have to know that we're taking the next best step and what direction we want to see health grow and like exactly. what direction we want to see the needle move and just trust that it's not going to be perfect tomorrow. And that actually it's probably not going to be perfect till we reach eternity. But knowing that we had some movement and like some help and guidance in planting seeds in the right direction um, so I guess my next question, cause I'm just super curious mm-hmm. being where you've been, being who you are, accomplishing what you've accomplished and now being in DC, like all these things I think is a really cool point in your life to use a platform with a voice. So consider this a really cool platform, yeah. <laughs> but what would you say to the people listening that are like, yeah, I'm ready to start seeing the needle move on women issues and or race issues. Like, what would you just want to like scream to the masses well, here's your first step and here's where I see us falling short. Yeah. Well, first off, I would say I'm right there with you. Um, I, you know, I feel things very strongly. And so when I read something that upsets me or hear about something that frustrates me or gets me fired up, I want to immediately react. Um, and so it's funny because I've got, if somebody saw the amount of drafts I have of writings on my computer, they would be like, oh, are you okay? <laughs> Um, but I've realized that a lot of times the best thing you can do is receive information, sit on it and with it and think about it. And, um, you know, then moving forward, speak your mind in a respectful sense. So I don't think that, you know, posting aggressive Facebook posts and things like that is effective. Um, I think it's reactive. And say it again for the people in the back. Yeah. Please, please, people rewind it and listen to that. (laughs) Please. (laughs) Because reactions are real and they're important, but 
personal speaking solely about myself, the way I react to things right away is not the way I would react to them a week later. Um, and so right, that's, yeah. I'm very careful in the things that I put out when I write and I focus on everything being not uplifting in a sense of everything's going to be okay, but uplifting in a sense of, you know, let's focus on the positives and work in how to make these negatives match up with those. Um, and so that's what, you know, I really, I would say there, there is no key. Um, it will never be exactly the way we want it to be. But I think like you were saying, planting seeds, being patient, um, and witnessing your reactions and accepting them, but not necessarily acting off them right away. Um, you know, if you feel a strong way about something, write it out right away, keep it on your computer, look back at it in a week and you're going to be like, Oh wait, I think I'm kind of psycho. Let me rework this because <laughs> I, I wasn't understanding when I was listening. Um, and that's something that I, that I work with and that I, you know, struggle with often. I, um, um, I'm trying to think the most recent thing that I've heard that sort of upset me was something that actually happened to, um, sort of a distant fellow, um, family member. And right when I heard it, I was angry. And I remember I was, um, getting off the Metro and I was, you know, stomping to work, mad at the world, um, and just really not happy at all. And I so badly wanted to shout it to the world and get on a rooftop and say, we are so messed up, you know, <laughs> but um, I didn't. And I just kind of powered through. And it was funny because I'm walking through this anger and then there's, the, I'm, I'm at a stoplight right before I get to my job. And there's this woman walking with a suitcase. She's about my age and she's trying to, she's saying something to me, but my AirPods are blaring. So I take them out and she says, oh, I just wanted to say like, I love your dress. You look incredible today. And I was like, oh, what? So <laughs> you know, <laughs> <Speechless>. <laughs> because in my head, I am thinking the worst things in the world. I'm very angry. I'm very upset. Meanwhile, you know, it, it was just such a clear picture of like, the world is still good you know, and God is still there and he is still good. And it wasn't about the compliment that she gave. It was about the fact that, and that's very rare in DC. I know that happens all the time, like where we're from, but in DC it is very rare. Yeah. That somebody (laughs) just wants to build you up just for the sake of building you up. And, Mm. and then she was like, bye. Like as if she was my friend. I was like, bye. It was very confusing. (laughs) But I question mark. (laughs) Yes. But I, I, you know, I got to work, I sat down at my desk and I was like, how bizarre that in my head, I'm so doubtful and disappointed and feeling like nothing is going right. And literally in an instant, someone was there to build me up. Um, and I, yeah, But I think it's just if you choose to listen because, you know, I had my AirPods, but I did not want to listen. I was blocking everything out, sitting in my own anger, ready. You know, my fingers are hot. They're ready to type something angry. But instead, after that, I calmed me down. It brought me back to reality, brought me back to the world, realizing that you know, the world is still good. God is still faithful. And so I need to sit on what I've heard and sit on this information. And I'll, I'll come back to it in a few weeks. And maybe I'll write something about it in a few weeks. Um, but what I can't do is act out of anger or act out of extreme sadness, because that's not beneficial to anybody. Um, and perpetuating sadness and anger is not going to do it. It's not going to fix it. It'll, it might make you feel better for about 20 minutes, but it's not going to change anything. And it's only going to put incorrect notions in other people's minds. Um, so just being patient and sitting on things and waiting until it's the right time to speak on it and waiting until you're full, you fully understand what you're speaking about um, so that you don't come off as ignorant um, or so that you don't put literally the wrong idea in somebody else's head. 
Mm, that's good. Or be discouraging to them or even to yourself. Right. Like, cause I feel mm-hmm. like for, for me, at least whenever I react in those certain ways with emotion and I'm emotionally driven, yeah. it's easy mm-hmm. then for me to see for the next day, for the next week, sometimes last for the whole month. I can't yeah. take my eyes off of this negative thing. And it, and it almost yeah. puts this new lens on my, on my eyes where I, I can't see the good. And, um, it's, it's discouraging. And I feel like I get mm-hmm. deeper and deeper into this hole and I can't really get myself back out of it until then something completely miraculously amazing happens. Right. But like, <laughs> but if I say like, Hey, Bria, don't think about a pink elephant. Like the first thing that comes to your mind is a pink elephant, right? Like right. Mm-hmm. you somehow type, start to envision it. And that is what happens when we try, I guess, when we call attention to you. I think it's okay. Let me restate this. I think it's healthy that we call attention to things that need attention and to where it's due and to where there can be improvement. But when that's all that we are thinking about and envisioning like a pink elephant, like we will see that again and again. Or if I tell you about a yellow VW bug, like I guarantee you, you'll see five of them today because it's just recent on your mind. And like they've been out there the whole time. It's just, you've never known to look for them. And Mm -hmm. it's like, you're going to, Lisa Turker says it. you're going to steer where you stare. So like if you are thinking about the good and wanting to manifest all the great things that Lord's doing in your life and to compliment people about their dress on the side of a road, or if you're just so upset and angry and reactive emotionally about the things that are happening, chances are like it's going to continue to affect you. And then again, onto other people. So I think it's just, we have to be careful and that's what stewardship is. Like it's more than just money. It's like, how are you stewarding these thoughts and emotions what do you choose to do with the next, which is crazy cool. So since you've moved to DC, I'm sure, I mean, the community you had in Auburn seems amazing and it looks amazing. And from what my friends have told me about you, it was amazing. So with you going to DC now, I'm sure it kind of shook things up as far as community goes. And we get asked a lot, um, even through our direct messages or emails, like, Hey, what would be like your top two tips for people that are trying to find community post-grad or early seasons of adulthood? Mm-hmm. How have you done that in D.C.? Sure. So something that stood out to me was a passage that my pastor noted right before we all left to graduate, um, and it's Timothy 11, 2 Timothy verse 11 through 13, and it's, if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And that is something that, it you know, I really have to apply the context to my own life and recognizing it's so it's so easy when you move to a new place to make friends, the surface level friends, because everybody is doing the same thing. And so everyone will be asking you, hi, do you want to go to happy hour? Do you want to get dinner? Do you want to do brunch? Um, And I was getting really exhausted because I was like, I'm having a lot of really surface level conversations. And I don't even know if these people know who I am. Um, Mm. And there was one one of my um, friends who entered post-grad life a little bit earlier than I did you know, he was saying, I want to make sure that everybody who meets me knows that I'm a Christian and knows these things about me. Um, because once people start understanding that some people shed off and some people you form these stronger relationships with. And so that's something that I've been struggling with, but also kind of seeing the other side of since graduating is just forming community and being honest about who I am. Um, never denying the Lord, never denying who he is in my life and getting to know new people because it's like you so badly want to be at dinner with 12 people that you you know are hanging out with and it's really fun but at the end of the day if you don't know these if you don't know these people's middle names because how would you and you probably will never talk to them again it, it almost feels like wasted time and wasted energy 
Yeah. And so that's something that I've been working on being much more intentional about spending one-on-one time with people. And maybe instead of going to dinner and having this whole elaborate thing, I've been asking people to go on walks. So I'll be like, do you want to walk around the monuments after work? Or do you want to, you know, walk to this coffee shop? Or do you want to, um, you know, just being more intentional with spending time with people one-on-one um, instead of trying to do this huge group thing and always trying to be where everybody else is. Because at the end of the day, you're not missing out on anything. You have the rest of your life to go to that huge dinner with 12 people. Um, but really just focusing on the people that you need to know and not forgetting about all of the friends that you have that are back at home. I think it's easy to get too busy to call your friends. That's something that I'm still trying to figure out how to do because after work, I'm just so tired. But mm-hmm. you know, after those calls, I recognize just reminding yourself of who you are because it's easy to get lost. Um, but the best reminder are the people that know you better than you know yourself. You know, So making sure that you're staying in contact with them um, and then just being intentional about the friendships that you make in the real world because it, it's so worth it to just be able to be honest and real with somebody because you're going to get tired of the service level conversations. I promise. Um, so just holding on tight to the people that you connect with once you get out of there and not so much focusing on, you know, quantity, but really focusing on the quality of the relationships that you're forming. Yeah. And there is such thing as a difference between company and conversation. I'm like, like, you don't, I mean, they don't go hand in hand. You could have one Mm -hmm. without the other. Mm -hmm. So like, I mean, I always used to think that company means that I'm not lonely, which is so false. Cause like Thomas, my husband and I can be sitting in the same room Mm -hmm. and, be in each other's company, but I can still feel lonely if I don't feel like I have invested interest in him or that I, someone has invested interest in me and that conversation's lacking. So Mm -hmm. there is totally a difference. And I, I wish I had known that sooner because I think I would have found my friends post-grad so much easier and also convenience Mm -hmm. is no longer really a thing. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) so, yeah, it gets tricky. It gets tricky. And then like, and then you're like where I am and all your friends are either married or having babies mm-hmm. and then you have to get babysitters to hang out and wow, wow, wow. Complications. Oh yeah. The friends, but- <laughs> it, everything is changing and you learn how to be flexible <laughs> and yes. just working with things. But you know, you're friends with these people for a reason. So just holding on to everybody really tightly and not so mm-hmm. you can only hold. So it's like when you're trying to, you know, bring all your dishes to the sink, like you can only hold so many at the same time. Um, so, you know, take what's most precious and what you care about most and focus on that. Um, is just how I've been, it's, it's how I've been sort of learning how to, I'm just relearning how to juggle life again from square one. So, but we're all going so through it. <laughs> hey, I was about to say you and me both sister, we're, all like, <laughs> we're learning and I have not even become an expert by no, any means. I'm still, no. wow, still learning. <laughs> I am back failing. to square one when I thought I had it figured out. So <laughs> yeah, isn't that the truth? Yeah. Okay. Completely switching gears just because. Yeah. I'm curious. And I know that a large group of our listeners are in college or about to start college. Mm-hmm. And Rush is right around the corner for a lot of women yeah. out there. So yes. for the women that are about to head off to college or start a new semester and are looking forward to joining a sisterhood, mm-hmm. just from your experience, what would you say to encourage them? Yeah. Um, I would say trying, you know, trying to steer away from the basic advice, but really just knowing that it's truth um, is just not, you, you know, you can't, you won't be able to conform to what you think these sororities and these people and these communities are looking for, because you don't truly understand it until you're in it. Um, but it's just sort of trusting that the people you're speaking with and the experiences that you're having are all pre-planned. 
None of it is, you know, coming out of thin air. None of it is to discourage you, but it's all already been planned by the Lord, like everything you're about to go through and experience. So I think trusting in that and just recognizing there's, there's no one else you can be but yourself well. So you might as well just do that. And wherever you end up will be where you're meant to be for that period of time. So not saying that you might, you know, get this sorority that you really wanted or that you really didn't want and, you know, giving it that time and just recognizing, you know what, no matter what, um, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be right now. It might not be where I'm supposed to be next year. It might be even more so where I'm supposed to be next year. Um, but there's no point in trying to plan out, you know, the next few years of your life, because if I would have done, I'm so thankful that the, what I had planned for myself, my freshman year did not come into fruition. (laughs) Amen. If it had, I mean, basically, I mean, you just really don't know until you experience it. And it's so awesome to say that on the other end, um, you know, how the Lord's faithfulness will, will come through. And that's, that's it. Your plans will not, nothing will work out the way that you think it will, but it will all work out to benefit you in the end. Um, and so just going once again, going full send, but with the notion of treating everybody as if they are your brother and sister in Christ, because they are that, um, and being kind, being welcoming, being yourself, but not for one second, trying to act like, you know, the, the woman that you're sitting next to, um, because she is herself and her own beauty and you're you and yours, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I think that's the best thing. That's what I always say whenever somebody asks me that question is just, um, to just rest in who you are. And if there's any sort of preparation you can do, it would be self-exploration. So I think the hardest question you can ever ask anybody is who are you actually? Um, or tell me about yourself, you know, the basic interview question, that's a really hard one. And the only mm-hmm. thing you can do is sit, is think, who am I? Like, you know, write down adjectives um, of who you are. You know, write down how you would hope somebody would describe you. Um, ask your mom, you know, or ask your dad yeah. and be like, who am I? Um, I, do, I do that still. I still ask my mom, you know, what she thinks about me or how she thinks I handle certain situations because she's known me longer than I can remember. So, you know, it's just seeing things like that and understanding who you are and making sure that you're showing that in the best way that you can. Um, and comparison is the thief of joy. That is something that is just your most basic kind of theme, but it is so true. And, you know, you're, you're entering a phase of something that is forcing you to, to want to compare yourself. Um, and you are being compared, but not entering that mindset is the healthiest thing you can do because you might be so worried about, you know, oh, I feel like I'm being so compared to this girl. I feel like I don't measure up. Meanwhile, there is a woman in a room, in a chapter room that is shouting from the rooftops how much she enjoyed meeting you um, and is Mm -hmm. obsessed with you and loves you and honestly doesn't even know you, which is kind of weird that we do that. (laughs) Yeah. But um, something about us. Yeah, I know. But on your worst moment, there is somebody who is loving you and who thinks the world of you. Um, So, you know, don't discredit their um, work and their passion for you by worrying about something that you don't even understand or worrying about what or worrying about if you're wearing the right outfit compared to this girl that's next to you um, or worrying about, you know, oh, should I, should I eat lunch? Should I not eat lunch? Should I try to focus on what's already I need to be? like, don't do any of that. <laughs> Just like Just go through your boots and realize that somebody somewhere is really obsessed with you and that's going to carry you through and it's fine. <laughs> And doesn't that apply to just anyone? Like yeah. that is me I'm listening to this and I'm like, yeah, this is totally a rush thing. But at the same time, I think this could totally be outside of the recruitment world mm-hmm. too. Just like 
adulthood, humanity, all the things. Exactly. Like, do not even worry about That same doubt will come in once you graduate and you enter into your, you know, cohort of your grad program or you enter into your job. I, you know, I'm constantly doubting and I'm constantly like, oh gosh, I hope that I said enough in that meeting. I felt like this other person said a lot more and had a lot more to show for our weekly meeting than I did, blah, 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 all these things. Meanwhile, you know, somebody in another room is saying, wow, I really enjoyed lunch with her the other, you know, it's like, it's the same thing that happens in the professional world. Um, You can compare in just an instant and I do it every day. Um, And there's nothing wrong with falling into that, that just easy sort of you know, not a sin, but just easy sort of flaw is comparing yourself to other people, but just always bounce back and remind yourself, you know what, somebody somewhere thinks I'm great. Um, and that's why I'm here. And I'm not here by chance. I'm here because there's a very strict plan that has been laid out for me. Um, Mm -hmm. and so just recognizing that and also recognizing that it won't end. So just, (laughs) you might as well start those good practices now of reminding yourself of your worth, you know? Start those habits now, exactly, and that know that we can be the person on the other side. We can mm-hmm. be the woman that's talking about how much we enjoyed lunch with our coworker or our friend or whatever. Like you could be the person that's talking about how obsessed you are with the other girl too. Exactly. So I think that yeah, I mean, full circle, the world goes round because of kindness <laughs> <It does. laughs> and Jesus <Not> really. and Jesus, <laughs> Jesus and kindness. <laughs> like really, that's the only reason why I'm still alive. So. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So here I am. Super thankful. Well, hey, we love to ask our guests, what are things that you are loving these days? If there's anything that you're reading or eating or listening to that you have to share with all the people. Oh my gosh. Yes. So I've been reading. So this is actually really sweet. One of my coworkers left this book on my desk for me because she said that she read it um, right when she got out of school and she was like, everybody needs to read it. And I'm sure you've heard of it. It's called The Defining Decade um, by Meg Mm, Jay. And it's Why Your 20s Matter and How to Make the Most of Them Now. And, you know, the title is like painfully self-help book. You know, it's, yeah. it's not cute. It's not necessarily the book you want to whip out at your nearest coffee shop, right? But it is it is a roadmap to life after graduation. Um, and even life while you're still in school, um, I would recommend it for – I would recommend getting it no matter how old you are listening to this, but also maybe – for sure I wish – if I could have had this earlier, maybe my senior year of college, um, it would have been a kind of perfect timing. But there's this one portion of it where – this boy is describing to the woman who wrote the book what it feels like to be at this stage of life. And he says, it feels like you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't even know which way is right, which way is left, which way to go. And if you choose a path, you you know, there's no way to know where you're going. Um, and so we're, we're all kind of just waiting for somebody to come in a lifesaver boat and, and pick us up. And then he kind of relaxed thinking someone will come and someone will help me. Um, and it was funny because as I read that, so it's not necessarily religious, but as I read it, I'm thinking of it in a religious sense. And I'm thinking like, it, you know, the funny thing is in my head, the Lord is constantly there, just kind of behind me in a boat, just waiting yeah. for me to reach out for his help. Um, and recognizing that you don't have to be in the middle of that ocean. Um, and you know, and you can take charge of your life and, and taking charge is simply reaching out your hand and asking for help from him. Um, which can look like, you know, calling your best friend that maybe you haven't talked to in a while because you've been like, quote unquote, too busy and being like, Hey, like, I'm, I'm really sore. Like, I'm really tired. I really don't know what I'm doing. Life is really hard right now. So I just want to talk to you. Um, and in a sense that's reaching out to the Lord because he's working then through him or her, you know, to Mm -hmm. bring you back. So that is definitely the book I would recommend. It's incredible. Um, 
I'm trying to think of other things. I'm obsessed right now with Compass Coffee. It's like a chain in the Northeast, but they sell their beans everywhere. We wouldn't know. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, but, but basically, nitro cold brew, I think, is a thing that's everywhere. And I am yes. obs- – it's like it's so bad. I, the, the, the fact that I found it is not good. Uh, are you? Do you settle for Starbucks or do you do nitro cold oh, brew elsewhere? I, I will. I I love Starbucks. It's never settling okay, when it's coming. Okay, good. <laughs> it's sometimes never you have to be careful who you say that to because some people are like diehard Starbucks fans, and right. then other people they're like ugh and like turn their nose oh, up. No. I'm like, well, excuse I'm not me. A coffee snob. I just like what I like. Um, and so it's like very specific, right. but, uh, but no, yeah. So that's really what I've just been doing is drinking coffee, reading the defining decade, um, keeping the way I keep up with my news is this is really nerdy, but the skim, I'm sure you've heard of it. Um, yeah. it's like a daily sort of, um, it's, I think it's Monday through Saturday or Monday through Friday. And they just send you like the hot topics going on in the news. Um, but not even just that they send you book recommendations and, um, they send you, you know, recipes and sports news that you should know, you know, if in case you're talking to a guy and you don't want to sound dumb, you know, things like that. It's really cute. Um, and so that's something that I would rec, I always recommend to my friends who don't really care about politics and don't care about the news, but like being educated. I mean, like knowing that's when something's yeah. happening. So that's something else that I've recently been obsessed with is just going through the skim on the metro, on the nasty metro, on the way to work. <laughs> <laughs> that seems so glamorous to so many people. You know what oh I mean? Oh my like, gosh. It's glamorous like, until you're squeezed between two really, really just as tired, just as sweaty people on a, on public transportation. <laughs> right. Oh my goodness. I'm yeah. sure the characters in DC are funny. Yes, it is oh an experience goodness. for sure. Bria, you are a treasure, and I am so thankful we got to meet via podcast. I know, me too. too. It's so great. Can't wait for you to come back home to Alabama. We can actually get that nitro coffee. Oh my gosh, nitro for coffee. We will. (laughs) Guys, I hope this conversation blessed you just like it blessed me. I feel refreshed. I feel inspired. Bria brought some good truth that we all need to know and hear again and again and again. Hey, if you have a friend who's about to go through recruitment, maybe is struggling in making community where they are now in post-grad life, would you share this with them? I think you'd be surprised the amount of listeners we have now because someone shared an episode with them. So would you do that? If you had a friend that was on your heart as you were listening to this episode, go ahead and share it with them. I think they'd appreciate it. If you want to access things that we talked about in today's episode, you can see all of that and more over at our show notes at BehindTheBlissPodcast.com. I have another great idea. If you are loving this episode, not only would it be a good idea for you to go ahead and leave a review, but also would be a good idea for you to click subscribe. That way, anytime a new episode is posted, you'll get a notification. You won't miss a conversation. You'll always be in the loop and we appreciate our subscribers. I hope you guys have the best week ever. Can't wait to see you back next week when I have a conversation with Mary Scott about some pretty exciting things. See y'all next time.